0: Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. When it comes to our kids, you want to give them everything they they have, they need to succeed in school. It's just part of your job as a parent. You want to educate and have them graduate. Well, sometimes our kids can have some challenges when it comes to their speech, and we're going to learn all about that today and how it impacts them, affects them, even connected to ADHD and and more. And she runs the Speech Kids Academy. You can find her at speechkidsacademy.com. She's been working with children for many, many years and really knows her stuff to, uh, to help us understand this a little bit more. Alina Mahas is back on the program with us. Alina, welcome. How are you doing?
1: Hi. How are you today?
0: Doing very well. And I'm so glad that we can get together again and talk about this because... More and more kids are dealing with anxiety, depression, many other things, and sometimes it can be traced back to their speech or their challenges with speech. What happens, Alina, if we don't take care of it, if we don't recognize it, or you go to a school or a counselor and they say, yeah, we really don't have anybody to, to help you out with it there? Uh, what what happens down the road with kids like
1: that? So unfortunately, what happens in those cases is that the child continues to digress. Let's say he has ADHD and nobody understands him and unfortunately not every teacher recognizes it. I have witnessed that that they just say, oh, he's just not paying attention. He doesn't want to do the work instead of focusing on why he doesn't do the work. And some teachers are just not educated because this is a section of special education as opposed to traditional general education, and that, that's the problem that we have, that students need to be helped. So schools should assist them, but depending on where the child goes to school, um, do they have staff members that are trained in recognizing that? Do they have an assessment team who will have the, all those children sent for evaluation, Are uh, the parents? pushing for that so if they don't uh unfortunately child uh, the child with attention deficit disorder will digress and it will obviously impact his grade and it will be worse and worse and if medication is not provided and there's no therapy provided then unfortunately it's not good for this child
0: Alina, I just want to tell everybody that you've worked with six different agencies as a clinical fellow and licensed speech language pathologist. So you know the pros and cons of working with an agency, and that's why you open up your own academy to help yes. children. All right. Do you often find that when children have speech issues, it's misdiagnosed, number one, and uh-huh. number two, then, you know, are, are pills pushed on them when they, you know, medication doesn't really need to be?
1: Unfortunately, True. We do find that. And actually, I was just talking to my graduate assistant that I'm observing. This week, we have two children at one school who are diagnosed with autism, and they don't have autism, and we spoke to school psychologists. And, you know, in this case, it's prevention, which is obviously misdiagnosed, and it's hurtful for parents to think their child has autism that they don't have. But in other cases, it's just no diagnosis at all. Instead of, it would be just, oh, the child is lazy, he doesn't want to do the work. That's something that we see very common. Uh, and I, I wish a parent um, knew what to do. And even if the school doesn't support evaluation, they volunteer that and do it out, out, outside of school and advocate for their children.
0: I know we've talked about this before, but... We always have different people listening. Just briefly, can you tell us how you identify that your child has a speech problem or a potential speech problem?
1: Yes, sure. So the child has speech problem if, for example, obviously it depends on the age. So if the child is seven or eight years old, he should be speaking fluently without disfluences when also known as stuttering. He have all his sounds except for our sounds that sometimes comes in late at eight years old. Um, at five years old, the child should have most of his sounds and can say, I know, I know, which is known as developmental stuttering, but not necessarily official stuttering. So developmental stuttering goes away, for example. Um, the child should be able to focus If he's four years old, he should be able to focus for four minutes with no problem. If he focuses for a couple seconds and wants to move on to another activity, then the child might have attention deficit disorder, but obviously there's a lot more to diagnose it than just to count minutes. So I don't want to mispeak about it. It's obviously an official diagnosis is required and assessment. Um, What else? As far as um, autism, we look for signs. We look for signs when the child doesn't keep eye contact, eats very specific foods, and very um, focused on consistencies of foods, for example. When the child does not, um, he eats pizza, but it has to be only look a certain way, and it, once it looks different, that's it. He's not eating it. Or it has to be only from Mario's, for example, or Domino's, Um, that's another sign of possible autism is obviously a sensory problem Um, when a child doesn't have friends and seems to be in his own world as opposed to making friendships and parallel play. If we don't see the child doesn't present with parallel play, for example when he's two, that's at two or three they should be playing parallel other children. At four or five, they should be engaging and enjoying attention, playing playing with other children, not just playing next to other children. So all those signs um, known for um, possible autism diagnosis. And um, that um, is honestly, it's getting worse and worse. We used to have one in 100 children, then it was one in 62 children is born with autism. They're not born with autism. they actually diagnosed with autism, not, not earlier than two years old.
0: Hmm. So wow. those
1: are the signs.
0: Alina, if you suspect that your child has autism or ADHD, obviously you start with your your pediatrician. Well, where does it go from there? Yes. I hear all different things in terms of the, the type of test that's done. I can't remember it right now, uh, but it's got a certain name or certain number to the test that they administer. Yes. Uh, can you tell us more about that?
1: Yes, sure. So the first person to go to is pediatrician. If pediatrician doesn't suspect it and the parent thinks, oh, I think something is wrong with my child, for example, two-year-old doesn't talk or two-and-a-half-year-old doesn't talk for boys, they start talking later. Them, it might be due to autism, so they should ask for second opinion because every month of child's development and language is crucial. The more they are delayed, uh, the more years it's going to take to catch up. And with autism, unfortunately, it's never going to be 100%. So they should go to a school psychologist, and not school psychologist, depending on their age, counselor, an official psychologist who can diagnose with autism because pediatrician can only refer A speech therapist can treat it, but we are not allowed to diagnose. And depending on the age, um, they will do a specific test, a school psychologist will, or a pediatric psychologist if it's a pre-K child. Preschool. And so it's it's not something that's under my scope of practice, but sure. it's definitely done by
0: psychologists. No, but we appreciate the information because it all kind of ties into everything. And I just, I want to go back to not necessarily autism or ADHD, but back to stuttering. So yeah. we all, because of media, watching movies and TV shows when they had uh, you know, a character that had a stuttering issue. And, you know, I'll give an example, even in, in, in radio, um, Howard Stern had a character called stuttering John. And yeah. we have this image of somebody who, when they speak, we call them a stutterer because they repeat the first letter of a word, um, or, 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 right. or, 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 or like that. Uh, but that not right. That's not necessarily what stuttering is.
1: Right, so it depends. We have to do an official diagnosis to actually say it's stuttering. We have to count how many words in a certain number of time, in a few minutes, he stutters on. And then we have to analyze specific characteristics of stuttering. Does he present with second language, um, secondary characteristics, for example, uh, eyebrows movement, um, hand movement? I, um, they twinkle eyes. Um, it could be different ones, but it's definitely all comes into play. And stuttering is diagnosed by a speech pathologist.
0: Are there times where children have trouble hearing? You know, if you can't hear, then you can't learn how to speak properly. And
1: sure, I yeah, actually yeah, tell us. it's I studied doc- a doctoral of audiology before I became a speech pathologist, so I do have enough knowledge in that field, and it's definitely a concern. Um, The children who can't hear sounds, they can't repeat them back, because the way we talk, we talk based on how we hear those sounds. The language doesn't develop in a vacuum, as to Vygotsky, a famous socialist. Uh, It would be they have to hear those sounds in, in order to repeat them. If the child is raised in the forest and not talking to anybody, even if he hears fine, he won't be able to talk, to speak out, if he's born in the forest, for example. And there have been cases like that. And for that reason, hearing should be checked. In most states in the United States, um, they check hearing when the child is born. They do uh, screening. And if screening comes back negative, then they have to test the hearing. And um, for that reason, when they test hearing, um, they have to see at what frequencies the child can't hear very well. And for speech therapy, frequencies are 500 to 4,000. So those are our uh, 500 to 4,000 hertz. Mm-hmm. Those are hertz that are required, we are required to hear in order to repeat that sound. Uh, yep. If they have a hearing loss, they're not going to hear those sounds. We also have consonants that are voiced and voiceless. So, for example, shh sh- sound, if the child has a hearing loss at 4,000 hertz, it's a higher frequency sound, he would not hear that sound. And sometimes they hear voiced, a jiff sound, for example, as opposed to sh sound, and then if they can't hear them, they can't repeat them properly. So they might need hearing aid, or they might have a fluid in the ear that goes away, that's temporal, but that's another thing. To mention children who have fluids very often, uh, known as ear e- infection, they might develop a hearing loss. Five, six, plus, that can definitely be a, a red flag for hearing loss. Right? So they should check their hearing quite often.
0: It seems to me, and even before we go there, just so people better understand frequencies of hearing, you talked about 4,000 hertz. If, and
1: 500, from 500 to 4,000.
0: Yes. Right, right, 500 to 4,000. Uh, you coming through on the telephone right now, the highest that your telephone can typically pass is probably in the territory of maybe 6,000 hertz, um, and a lot of people, a lot of older people, myself included, have problems with with uh, much higher frequencies right, in the 10,000 area, but... And a little bit higher, but in that that sweet spot right there, that four thousand, that three thousand, that's kind of everything. That's like the, the bulk of what you're going to hear. Um, so very impactful. You know, if a child or anybody has some challenges or or deficits in that area, it's going to be uh, it's going to be uh, challenging to hear clear. This says to me, this speaks to me, Alina, that we all must, with our kids, continue to push forward and diagnose if we suspect something, because it could be one of many many different things. That's what it sounds like here.
1: Absolutely. And if the child has on the opposite a 500 frequency loss, they're not going to hear vowels. So that can cause problems if I say um, tab kit. He can hear a completely different word word just because he can't hear the vowels. And then it gets confused. Um, And then he will think of one thing instead of another because some words they are like minimal pairs, um you can say "cat hat, you know it's um or cat cag gag uh, I mean it's not a word, but I'm just thinking if they hear one word instead of another word, mm. they might confuse the meaning of the sentence
0: got it, yeah, which and is...
1: those children get lost as well at school, of course,
0: yeah, I'm glad you use that word lost. Because it says everything. Yeah. They have the desire. They want to learn. They want to be inclusive of all their friends and be part of everything. But sometimes they feel lost for whatever reason it is, if they can't hear properly, if they can't speak properly. So when you work with, with children and parents, uh, with the Speech Kids Academy, where does it begin? Do you start with, with an evaluation to, to see what you're, what you're literally starting with uh, when it comes to a child?
1: Absolutely. It depends on how I receive the case because if it's a child who receives speech therapy at school, then the school would complete the evaluation in order for a child to qualify for services. So I would already have the results with the evaluation. And personally, I prefer to observe the child before even reading the evaluation because sometimes you can see a different picture than what it is. I read it usually after a couple sessions because I want to see myself. What do I, and not be biased by what somebody else wrote. But obviously, I have a lot of experience. And as far as new children, if, some, if a parent calls me and they say, I think my child might need speech and language therapy, we will start with evaluation. Absolutely. With, I, I'll listen to the parent's concerns. I'll ask, why do you think your child needs speech therapy? And then, go from there.
0: Would you start with the school? Would there be a referral there? I, I know there could be some... Do you take insurance? I'm trying to remember. I believe you do.
1: Yes, we take some insurances, but out of network, because for in order for insurance, it all depends on location. So, for example, if my office is in Oyster Bay, but the child lives in Valley Stream, he's not going to want to commute 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And for me to send the provider there, it's going to If she doesn't live in the area, she wants to be compensated for her travel time. But personally, I advise, um, you know, if it's in Long Island, most areas of Long Island have speech therapy centers. But if it's the Bronx and there's only one speech therapy center for the entire Bronx, what do parents do? They have to pay for out-of-pocket to get speech therapists to come to their house. And then insurance can't cover that because, Insurance will only cover the session and not the travel time of the therapist. So it gets more complicated depending on geographical location of the child. But I would always advise a parent to first Google speech therapy centers around them where they live. Because if they want somebody to come to their house, insurance won't cover the full amount. Do
0: you have a center where people can go? Or do you just. Yes. You do, okay.
1: Yes. Yes, yes. We just started that, and it's an Oyster Bay code.
0: Got it. So your main geographic area is Nassau County, maybe as far as Suffolk County, depending on if you have somebody out that way. Uh, do I have that right?
1: Yes, and definitely in all over New York City. We have therapists working all over New York City in different areas.
0: Are your therapists specialized in certain areas? Like, for example, you know, one knows a little bit more about dealing with ADHD uh, challenges. Another one might uh, have more experience in auditory processing disorder
1: that's a great question thank you for bringing it up it's absolutely so if somebody if a parent calls me and they want a therapist who specializes with assistive technology device it's a it's a device when children don't talk and when they are nonverbal then I would be if and they live in a specific area where I don't have the provider, I prefer to be honest and tell them, look, your child is not not a good um, candidate for remote therapy, and I don't have a therapist in your neighborhood that specializes in that. But if I were you, I would research that and contact this company and see what they have and go from there.
0: I would always advise. You really have a passion for what you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because, you know what, if I don't know how, like, for example, one of my personal specialties is feeding therapy, swallowing disorders, and Mm. if that's what I like doing, then, but I'm not a fan of AAC devices, for example, and I don't have enough experience, I'm not going to take on the case that I'm not fully knowledgeable. Just because I have a license doesn't mean I can cover, I can... In in theory, in theory, yes, I can cover every field um, subfield of speech pathology, but in reality, I think that everybody should do what they're known for, what they're good in. I really think it's better better to refer. It's like you go into a dentist and they tell you you need to remove this tooth, but an oral surgeon has to do it. Can the dancers do it? Yeah, but if they Worry about their reputation and they think it's, it's a risk. A dentist might refer you to an oral surgeon.
0: A specialist. <laughs> a specialist, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm just uh, thinking of another example, but that's how it works. We do the same thing.
0: And every case is different, every child is different, so I l- Absolutely. It sounds reasonable that you'd have to start with that evaluation to see what, what you're dealing with before you, you, you know. Pick the person that's going to work with them.
1: Yeah. No, sometimes, I mean, most of the time it's a match. All the speech therapists are experienced in what they do and in working with different children. But I'll be honest with you. I've had personal experience. I worked in a, with a family. The child was autistic, and he was about two and a half. And I was pregnant, and he kicked me in my stomach. I was oh like six months pregnant, and he kicked me in my stomach, and I don't take it personally against the child, but at some point, I just told the mom, you know, we don't have a connection, and mm. obviously, now, it's dangerous for my child's health, but sometimes, it's just not a match, once in a while, it's okay, yep. and it's okay to admit it, that it's okay, there's always someone
0: else who can be a match. Uh, absolutely. And it goes even down to a therapist for an adult or a child or a psychiatrist. You might, it's a relationship. You have a relationship there. And I will sure. say this. Yeah, y- I know that you you work with different agencies. You worked in school district. It can be a challenge sometime to get the quality care that you need for your child when you are working with some of these agencies or, if you will, clinics. Um, I've dealt with it myself and I've gravitated toward people like you with a private practice because yes, sometimes it's going to cost you more, but you're going to get so much more out of it or it's going to go faster and you're going to you're going to take care of the situation much easier and faster just because you're going to get that one-on-one attention where, you know, it might be at a clinic where it's or an agency where it just it's, it doesn't work the same way. So uh, I get what you're saying, why you opened up your own agency. It's, it's pretty clear on my side here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and let me bring another example that we didn't cover today, dyslexia. Mm. A child struggles with reading, with decoding. So I know one family in Long Island that mom is my personal friend, and she just says my daughter has been receiving speech therapy since first grade. She's in ninth grade. She still struggles, and what can you do? Can you take a look? And I took a look, and I just told her, you know what? I just think that her speech therapist is not specializing in this disorder, and she's not addressing it. And in addition, oftentimes at school, kids have speech therapy in groups, if you have a group of two or three children, and one of them has one disorder, another one has another disorder, they shouldn't be grouped together, but oftentimes school districts will push group services, and even if it's not beneficial for the child. But, you know, they only have one speech therapist on staff, and she can only do as many sessions. I love it. And that's what happens. It's... That's where individual attention and a specialist who specializes in this disorder will be, will change the life
0: of a child. And it's a game changer sometimes because you might go through treatments using an agency, uh, you know, or clinic that you're not, you're not getting that attention that your child may need. And then halfway through you, you realize, well, this is not going the way it should be. And then you seek somebody out like speechkidsacademy.com. Alina, I appreciate all the details, all the information. Somebody goes to the website. You have a free consult. Does it start there?
1: Yes, we do have uh, up to fifteen
0: minutes free consultation. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I, you know, based on your experience, many years of doing this, you'll probably get a pretty good idea on that that consultation where it needs to go next. That's what it sounds like.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: Yeah, Alina, I appreciate you. I love the information and uh, good stuff for for all parents wondering: Is their child? reaching their full potential, could there be some challenges, you know, with their speech or ADHD or, you know, many other challenges? SpeechKidsAcademy.com. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great weekend. Okay. You too. My
1: pleasure. It was so nice to talk to you today. Have you, a too,
0: you too, Alina. You too. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Let's go inside the mind of a 10 year old.
1: I should have worn those earrings today. I like those earrings. Gabby has those awesome earrings. I need to ask her where she got those, but that's just what she would want me to do. I'll have Michaela ask her for me. Buckle up, Sarah. Yeah, but then Michaela will be like, why don't you just ask her yourself? That's just like Michaela. Sarah, buckle up. Michaela's such a great name. I wish I was called Michaela. There's, like, a dozen Sarahs in my class. Hey, we're not hitting the road until you buckle up, honey. Oh, yeah. Seatbelt. I forget sometimes because my brain is, like, busy, you know?